You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Welcome to church. Good morning. That's what I'm talking about. Good morning. Grab your Bibles if you would. Mark chapter six is where we're going, and if you were born in the mid to late 1900s, you might have a paper Bible. For those of you born in the 2000s, you're young. You probably have a digital Bible, but if you're new to the Bible, grab your Bible, open it up right to the middle, and you're gonna be really close to the book of Mark. Take a little right, and you should be there within just a few pages. Mark chapter six. I wanna welcome all those that are watching in long, online from all over the world. So those of you, uh, we've got uh, Montana, Arizona, there's Utah today uh, from all across the great state of Texas, God's country. We want to welcome you in. Howard's family, would you welcome in all of our Facebook friends, all of our YouTube friends, all of our website friends? Thank you so much. If you like what you hear today, if you like what you're watching, do us a favor and click that share button. It means the world to us. Thank you for all of you who give and who are so generous with your tithes and offerings. We appreciate it very, very much. Mark chapter six is where we're going today. I want to bring you a message called Jesus Math. Jesus Math. Now, for some of you, when you hear the word math, your heart just leaps because you are a math person. For the rest of us, we're calling you nerds. We don't respond the same way to that word math. It, it makes me break out in hives. I don't understand how math and numbers brings so much hope and life and strength to people when they hear it. For the rest of us, normal people... Uh, math doesn't do the same thing. It, it caused me to get a little nervous. Uh, but I, my thing was I got off track when they started putting letters in, in math. That, that's not normal to me. Like that, no, numbers only. Numbers only. Don't bring in shapes. Don't, don't bring in letters. And then they brought in pi. And I'm like, okay, now you're intriguing me. I, I might be back. I might be back. And so when my, when my kids are coming to me, Dad, I've got this math problem. I'm like, you don't know this by now? I'm like, how did you not figure this out? What's wrong with you? Like, this is easy. Go look at it again. I don't know. I have no clue. It's, it's way beyond me. But uh, I, I'll tell you this. You know, one of the things that, that, that I have to understand about myself is when I think about math, I automatically get a little freaked out about it because I've, I've had multiple problems in, in my own education background understanding numbers. And that's because I got off track uh, in, in my early days of in my education. And I think for some of us, if we're trying to understand Jesus' math, when Jesus adds five loaves and two fish and feeds thousands of people, when you're trying to understand God math, if you don't have a good understanding of the basics of theology, you're gonna get off base from simple stories that you might understand from a surface level, but you're not able to go deeper into them to see what the application is to me. I don't understand Jesus' Math. So in Mark chapter six, I want to pick it up uh, with Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. If you're familiar with the story, if you're not, we're going to read it together. Uh, but let me just set the stage for you. Um, Jesus, in, earlier in this chapter, has sent out the disciples. He sent out the 12 and given them authority to drive out unclean spirits, to heal people, to, to do crazy miracles. And he tells them this, take no bread, take no bag, take no money. And for some of you, you're like, that doesn't sound like ministry to me. That sounds like a horrible time. Like, my idea of roughing it is no room service. But this, here's Jesus sending them out saying, take no bread. And so they come back to Jesus right here about the middle of this chapter. And they say, Jesus, we've done incredible things. 
and, uh, and we haven't even had a chance to eat. And Jesus is like, let's go away and have some peace and quiet. Let's get some rest. You guys have been working hard. Now, by the way, when you read that scripture, you have to understand Jesus knows what's about to happen. So in my mind, you can't help but read this and not see the humor in it. Jesus has a little bit of what we call SSL, sarcasm as a second language. Like, oh, we should get some rest. You guys are tired. You haven't had any bread. You've been out there living on faith. You're walking on water. You're doing great things. We should get some rest. And then look what happens. So let's pick it up, if you would, in verse 31. It says, so many people were coming and going that the disciples did not even have a chance to eat. Remember, he sent them out with no bread and no money. No bag to put any bread that they would be able to buy in. Nothing. They didn't have a chance to eat, and he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing like that happened at all. It says, but many who saw them leaving recognized them. They go around the lake, and they're waiting on the other shore. So we go right from ministry into another moment that's even bigger. Many who saw them leaving got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. And I can imagine a bunch of disciples were rolling their eyes. Like, come on. You said, let's get a bite to eat. Let's get some rest. We're hungry. We're tired. We want to talk about all the great things that we just did. Look, Jesus has compassion and he began to teach them. I love how Mark says many things. Mark has a little sense of humor too. He's like, we were tired. We were hungry. Jesus promised us a break. And then he starts teaching them many things. Being a pastor's kid, let me tell you, there is nothing more frustrating than trying to leave church at the end of service and watching your parents talk. You're sitting here like, I just want to go home. I'm hungry. Let's go home. Some of you can't wait. Can't wait to get to Luby's. Can't wait to get to Golden Corral and have chicken fried preacher. It's frustrating when Jesus is moving and begin to speak. It pushes them even far, farther than their comfort zone. Jesus began to teach them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can buy themselves something to eat. So in other words, Jesus recognizes that they're, they're trying to get rid of the need by eliminating the needy. How often do we do something like that? Lord Jesus, hey, just, just send them away. We're done with ministry. We've, we've had enough. Just send, let, let them go take care of themselves. Here's the great news that I bring you today about Jesus. Jesus always feeds hungry people. Jesus always meets the needs of those who are hungering and thirsting after more of him, who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. He says, they shall be filled. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You give them something to eat. Like, are you kidding me? We don't have enough. There's no way. We don't even have any for, our, for ourselves. You told us to not take a bread, to not take a bag, to not take any money. What do you mean you give them something to eat? They said that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? In other words, uh, John captures the thought this way. He says it's, it's Philip that tells Jesus this, and that's because Philip is from the town that they're walking outside of. Philip knows the area. He, he understands the businesses, and he's saying, look, Jesus, first of all, we don't have enough money to buy them bread, and even if we did have that kind of money, you're not gonna find that much bread this late in the day to feed this many people. What you're asking to do, Jesus, I'm an expert, and it's not happening. 
sent him away. Jesus says, what do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves, two fish. John chapter six says it's borrowed from a little boy's lunch. Five loaves, two fish. But taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. I wanna spend all of our time this morning breaking down just that simple scripture and the power of the multiplication in the presence of God. It says God took it, he blessed it, and he broke it. He lifted his eyes to heaven and began to multiply what wasn't enough. It says he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. One basket for each hungry disciple that was left over. I think for many of us, it's difficult for us to get past uh, our flawed theology and to understand Jesus' math because we've got some, some basics that were left undone or unlearned. When I was in high school, uh, I was coming right to the end of, of my senior year and my hope, my dream was to go to Baylor University. That's, that's what I thought God had for me. This was the ultimate pinnacle. I'd visited the campus, I loved it. And I had gotten a full scholarship from Baylor University. The only thing that it was dependent upon was my SAT score. And so because I'd done well in high school and because I had the scholarship laid out, I thought, thought my dream was right here. I went and took the SAT test and got the results back and I made a 790. By the way, for those of you that graduated from Gilmer, that's on par with you. But for the rest of us in the world, that's really low. I'm just, Gilmer, come on. It's really low. And so my music teacher said, what, what happened? Like, did you not sleep the night before? Did you just click B on everything? That was back in the days of Scantron with, when in doubt, check B. Remember the Scantron, remember that? You were C, why didn't you tell me? I've been writing B on the whole, that's why. That's why, thanks a lot, I needed you. And so he says, let me, let me take a look at this. And he realized that it wasn't the English and the, the creative writing part, but it was the math part. It was, it was like Forrest Gump. Like, here's normal, here's you. Like, you don't get this. And so he began to, to do some flashcards. He says, let me take it back and figure out where you're having this issue. And he says, you know what, you, you've got a problem here. It's, it's third grade math. You don't understand third grade math. I'm like, well, what's third grade math? He's like, you don't understand your times tables. I'm like, well, what is this times tables of which you speak? Uh, I'm not familiar with the concept. Uh, give me a refresher. <laughs> and so he said, what is, you know, six times nine is what? Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know that there were times tables and multiplication facts and little songs and rhymes to help you memorize these numbers in ways that they would teach a third grader. I never got that. I didn't know, look up at the ceiling, look down at the floor, six times nine is 54. I didn't know that. I didn't know, nobody told me. And now you know, the worst one, six times nine, 54. That's how you know it. He said, where'd you go to school in the third grade? I said, homeschool. He goes, that's it. <laughs> that's, that, that's the issue. So homeschoolers, hey, I'm just telling you, there may be a part in your life where you realize that there are some gaps in your education. And uh, it's okay, we're gonna find some people that know that will help you out. But when I, when, I, when I realized that my problem was a basic understanding of math, I had I'd skipped past it and didn't learn a lot of the, the surface area stuff, I couldn't grasp the harder concepts. 
And so taking the SAT again, I was able to blow right past that 1300, made a fantastic score, was able to go to Baylor University and ultimately get kicked out. But that's a different story for a different time. I'll just tell you this, it had nothing to do with my math skills. It had to do with a little problem called cocaine. Let me just tell you. But that's also for another story. Some of you are like, are you the real pastor? No, he'll be here next week. This is the best, this is the best I got. That's all I got. And so as we're digging into this story, we recognize that there's a problem understanding Jesus' math. And here is the issue that we have in our own theology today. We look at stuff like the multiplication power of God and God's ability to give us things that are pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And we see it through the lens, look at me, of our greed. Greed. And we don't recognize the power of what Jesus is doing beyond just the multiplication of a resource. Many Bible-believing people have been led astray to understanding a part of God that he doesn't, simply, he doesn't show it the way that we view it. There's something better in store here. I wanna give us four things today. If you're a note-taker, you might wanna write this down. Four ways that we can understand the God of multiplication. Understanding the God of multiplication today. Somebody say that with me. Understanding the God of multiplication Here's point number one. If you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. Number one, Jesus turns the disciples' eyes from themselves. We have to build everything that we believe off of this simple concept. Understanding the God of multiplication means taking my eyes off of myself. That's the big problem that we often encounter when we're dealing with what we want God to do what we need God to do. And instead of allowing God to be who he is, we have this view of him being Santa Claus. God, just give me my Christmas list, fix my needs, give me more, I need more, I need more. And this is where we get caught up in our American version of Christianity and the God of the Bible. Jesus turns the disciples' eyes away from themselves. Look at verse 31. It says, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. Or in other words, Jesus, I know these people are hungry, but we're more hungry. Send them away. We need a break. I need a rest. I need you to take care of me first. What about me? I need some help. I need some rest. I need to kick back for a little while and, and recharge my batteries before I actually do what you're asking me to do. I need a day off. Back in my uh, middle school days and high school days, I, I, I learned one powerful concept when I came into public schools away from home schools. There was something that we didn't get to do in, in home school that we got to do in public school that showed us we we're about to do nothing. And what that was is when the teacher brought in the TV cart. Remember those days where you hear that, that cart coming in, it's got the one wheel messed up like the, like the grocery cart at, at Walmart, it's like that one, you're like, I hear the sound of liberation, I'm taking a nap. We're about to do nothing today, right? And this is what they're expecting. Lord Jesus, we've done all this work. All these great things have happened. We'd like to sit down with you and talk about the great things that we've done. And Jesus is like, yeah, we should go get some rest. We're going to take a break. We're going to do nothing. Let's, let's eat for a while. Let's rest for a while. We're going to sit around and bring out the TV cart and watch a video of your amazing highlights. No, 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 no. He said, you're going to learn today. This ain't the, this ain't the end of the year kind of attitude here. You're going to learn. Jesus takes their eyes off of themselves and says, you give them something to eat. And then God begins to multiply 
out of their obedience. Let me make sure that you see it. I wanna say it this way. God won't multiply what he can't trust you with. God won't multiply what he can't trust you with. And then notice this, that Jesus does not feed the multitude directly. He uses the disciples to do it. Can you imagine giving to someone else what you want for Jesus for yourself? Jesus uses disciples to meet needs and look at me, he still does. He still does. But we're so busy wanting God to bless me that we miss what God can do through me. This is one of the reasons why we don't see the God of multiplication like we want to see. God multiplies what is held with an open hand. Listen to me, this is gonna help you. I wanna see the, the God of multiplication open up your hands. Notice here that, that the blessings pass through their hands, not to their hands. God's multiplication is never you as the final destination of it. But if God can trust you to do his will with it, you're gonna see multiplication. If he can't trust you, you're gonna keep getting what you get. And this is where we have to get past the basic understanding in our theology that God's biggest hope is just to bless me with more. That's foolish, really foolish to see. That's a very surface level uh, uh, knowledge of who God is. He's the God of more than enough. But that means something different than what you might think it means. Jesus turns their eyes from themselves and allows the blessings, the things that they need to pass right through their hands, and then they get the basketfuls left over. Do you see it? Here's the second key I wanna make sure that you see. You might wanna write this down. Number two, Jesus turns his eyes toward heaven. Gets the disciples' eyes off of themselves, and then turns his eyes towards heaven. So he's not just looking at the problem with his disciples, he's not just looking at the problem of hungry people, but instead, he takes his eyes and focuses them on the maker of heaven and earth. There are plenty of things that will get your attention, plenty of things that will steal your focus, plenty of things that you can look at and surround yourself with all your issues and the things where you see that God hasn't come through. There are plenty of those things. But Jesus lifts his eyes to the source and he makes sure that it's recorded in all four gospels. Everyone that's telling the story all recognize the fact that Jesus looks up. He makes a point that they see him he shows them where the power comes from. You see, some of us will never see the God of multiplication because we think it stops and starts with me. Yeah. It's all about me. It's what I can do in my own strength. It's what I can do with my best efforts. It's what I can do if I just sweat, if I just grin and bear it, if I just buckle down and pull up my own bootstraps. I'm gonna have to get really, really good and then maybe God will do. Like, no, no, no. Jesus himself models what it means to look to the Lord for multiplication. I'm reminded of what David says in Psalm 121. He says, I, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where, where does my help come from? Almost as if to say, my help doesn't come from them hills. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And if you don't hear anything else that I say today, remind yourself of that this week. My help doesn't come from my best efforts. My help comes from the Lord. He is the one that will sustain me. He's the one that can bless it. He's the one that can multiply things when I don't have the strength to do it. I am not enough. I want to put this on the screen so that you see it. 
Make sure that you read it this way. You're not enough. You were designed to need God. Everything that you're walking through in every area of lack in your life, it's an opportunity to know God better. God designs things and puts us in situations so that he can reveal himself as our source, as our strength. He wants us to know him more. He wants us to take these situations and say, God, I have to have you. That's a good place to be in at the end of who you are. It's a reminder in Acts chapter 17. Why does God do these things? It says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps find him to reach out for him, get to know him better. Why am I walking through this? God says, God, I want you to know me better. I want you to recognize my power. I want you to trust me. I want you to depend on me, not on your best efforts. Jesus lifts his eyes to heaven and he makes sure that his disciples notice where the strength comes from. Every problem is an opportunity to know God a little better. Not to get better at solving your own issues, but to trust him to be obedient to whatever he's saying to do. I'm just here to tell you by, by, uh, by a lot of years of experience, at some point you come to the end of your ideas and your strength and your vast capacity of wisdom. You, you ain't enough. You're not enough. And you weren't designed to be. Every problem is an opportunity to know God better. Here's point number three, three or four, and this is perhaps... Um, the one that hit me the hardest this week as I was studying, as I was praying for you, as I was asking God to, to give me something that will help you, the Lord brings me to this point that, um, that just settled in my spirit and it's been kind of just eating at me all week long. But I wanna make sure I share this with you and be obedient to what he told me to tell you. Number three, notice this. Jesus gives thanks for what he knows is not enough. Jesus gives thanks for what he knows is not enough. Let that settle in your spirit for a moment. Jesus knows what he can do, but he's modeling this to a bunch of hungry disciples, to a group of people he's been teaching when he gives thanks for what is not enough. Gratefulness in the hearts of God's people is something that we've lost along the way. Gratefulness for the times that God has met our needs. Gratefulness for the times that we've seen God come through Gratefulness makes room for multiplication. Many of us will never see the God of the breakthrough. We'll never see the God that can multiply things, pressed down, shaken together, running over, because we've forgotten about the basic principle of thank you for what I know is not enough, but I'm grateful to have it. Anybody ever raised poor? Anybody ever have to thank God for what you, what you knew was not enough? I've been there. That's not an insult to God. That's an opportunity for great faith. Jesus gives thanks for what is not enough. Let me just tell you this, though. Uh, gratefulness doesn't guarantee multiplication and miracles, but without it, it guarantees you won't have it. You still with me? So John chapter 6 says that they, they borrowed this five loaves and two fish from a boy's lunch. It describes it in, in the original language as not just five pieces of bread, not just five loaves, but it says five small barley loaves, which sounds pretty insignificant until you realize, like he didn't say wheat loaves, he said barley. And barley is something that you feed animals. Barley would be what 
poor people ate because they couldn't afford wheat. And when it says they were small barley loaves, let me just tell you, this is not the best that's put into the hands of Jesus. This is what we know is not enough and the best that we have in some poor circumstances. Think about a mother sending off her son with the best of what we have, knowing he's a growing boy, and gives him barley loaves. If you've ever tasted a barley loaf or a barley drink, I'm just tell you, mm, mm-mm. They can say stuff like, it's a superfood. Like, mm, it goes in super trash. <laughs> no thanks. This is America, land of the free, home of the whopper. You can have it your way. We are not interested. And for those of you that have ever been fat and had to be on crazy diets, I'm just, I've been there. They, they make like a barley grass diet. Let me just tell you. They may tell you, hey, look, this, ca- this, this, can, this can, it's a superfood. This cures cancer. And you're like, I'll, I'll take the chemo. That's nasty. <laughs> This, this would not be a tasty meal. As a matter of fact, when John says the, the fish, we have in our mind that we've got some 20-pound bass here. No, no, no. The word that he uses to describe fish is a salted appetizer. Talk about pieces of fish. This makes the miracle of the five loaves and two fish even that much more unbelievable because it's smaller and less valuable than what we even have in our minds, what we were taught in Sunday school. And Jesus blesses what is not enough and what few people would even want and multiplies that into more than enough. Let me just remind you, never believe the lie that what you have is insignificant. Never believe the lie that God can't use the little of what you have. I've come to find something to be very true. That's this, that little is much when God's in it. Little is much when God's in it. For some of us in this place, God needs to take you back into that place where you recognize the power of God when you didn't have it. Now, we're in America. We're, we're in a place of... of, of of a, cr- a crumbling economy. Many of us have had to battle through gas prices and we're complaining about this and that and we're still better off than the rest of the world. Right. Do we have something to complain about? Sure. We can complain about it all day long. I'm telling you, I spent a lot of money on gas this week. I got a lot of things to complain about. But I also recognize who my strength lies in. And it's not in my ability to make money. Otherwise, I'd preach an entire message in a series about how you need to give more so that I can have more. Recognize that Jesus gives thanks for what he knows is not enough, but he's not limited by our circumstances. When we take what little that we have, we come come at it from a place of gratefulness. God, I'm grateful, and I'll let you use whatever whatever you allow me to have. I I give it back to you. God can do incredible things. God uses our resources and our time and our talents and our treasure and makes it more than enough. And let me, let me remind you that it, God is not a cheap God when he repays. He's not cheap. He is an extravagant giver. God can do incredibly and exceedingly above, Paul says, all that we could ask or think or even imagine. He is a good God. He's a fantastic provider. He's a great giver. He gives exceedingly and abundantly above. His name is Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah just barely. 
I heard a pastor say one time, it's El Shaddai, not El Chipo, <laughs> right? God can do incredible things, but only to people who you can trust it with. God's not gonna give you something that's gonna corrupt you. He wants to give you something that helps you understand that I need him more and I wanna be blessed with more so that he can bless other people through me. And so I give him thanks when I know it's not enough. Here's point number four, I'm gonna finish up with this. Jesus multiplies what is broken. Jesus multiplies what is broken. Notice this, the bread didn't multiply until after it was broken. The more it broke, the more it multiplied. And it helps me to see when I'm digging into the surface and digging deeper than that, and when I'm trying to understand what Jesus is showing me about my own greed, about my own desire to be prosperous and to make a lot of money and to have a lot of new toys, when I, when I recognize that Jesus is taking me to something deeper than those things, I, I see the truth here. I wanna put it on the screen so you can see this well. Whatever is unwilling to be broken is unable to be blessed. And this flies in the face of our theology today and this twisted American version of Christianity. We want to say stuff like, God bless me and expect God to not break me. Oh, God use me. When we say God use me, we think that that's going to come with a suit and a microphone. <laughs> you know what it comes with? Breaking. And that's not insulting. That's a beautiful thing. That's the best version of you. This is where God multiplies who you are and takes you beyond what you ever thought you could be. I am living proof of what God can do when you allow him to break off parts of your life that don't look like him. Until God takes you home, until you take your last breath on this planet, if you are submitted to God, if you're allowing him to do what he wants, your life will always come with more breaking and that's a beautiful thing. This is because God, God loves you and loves you too much to leave you as you are. You see, it's a difficult thing, and, and please hear me, it's a difficult thing to preach the gospel to people who have been taught their whole life that you're perfect just the way you are. It's difficult to preach about the God of multiplication, the God that's more than enough to people that have been spoiled and have never had to be told no. We don't understand the depths of the beauty of the gospel that finds us at our worst and helps us to recognize the need for a savior, the need for someone that could take something and break it and make it more beautiful than what we thought we were by ourselves. God loves to bless what allows him to break. And that's the great part of a relationship with God. You wanna see multiplication? It looks like breaking. And Jesus lifts his eyes towards heaven and multiplies what is broken. See, it's the, it's the breakings in life that produce the, the blessings in life. And when we can allow God to break off things like greed and selfishness and hatred and racism and sin and failure and pride and arrogance and bitterness and words and attitudes we can surrender and submit those things to God and say, Lord, if you can use anything, use me. And God begins to pull those things out one at a time. It begins the process of something that we don't use a lot to, in today's language, but the, the process is called sanctification. 
When God can do that and you give him permission to break those things off of you, oh, then you start seeing the multiplication of God. You are sitting in a building that is proof that God can multiply what he knows is not enough if he's allowed to break it and use it for his glory and not for mine or for yours. It's not about you. It's not about me. But what God can do through us. Jesus gives a powerful example in the feeding of the 5,000 plus to his disciples about what it means to encounter the God that is more than enough, that is able to multiply. But he takes them to the end of themselves, past their wins and losses, past their successes in ministry, past their hunger and their frustration in order to see the greatness of God. And he still wants to do the same thing for his people today. I want to finish up right there. If, you're, uh, if you've got your paper Bible with you, go ahead and close that up. If you're looking at a digital Bible, go ahead and power that down for just a second. We're going to finish up uh, by allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Yes. See, I believe if I've done my job correctly today, that I've given you some things to think about. And the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you personally. I don't believe that the greatest thing I can do is let you come and hear me speak. But the greatest thing I can do is to make room for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He is ultimately what can take your life and identify some things that he wants to break off. And at that point, you have a decision to make. Am I perfect just the way I am? Or is my response to say, Lord, I submit. Whatever you see in me that doesn't belong, it's yours. Lord, I recognize that in myself and in my own flesh, I am not enough. I am not enough to accomplish what you've called my life to accomplish. But you can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or think, or what I could even imagine, for your glory and not for mine. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I wanna give you a chance to respond to the Lord. Whatever situation you may be walking through, I believe God wants to speak to you today. So I wanna invite you to pray a simple prayer. It's not a magical prayer, but it's a profound prayer. It's a prayer of submission and surrender, a prayer of asking. And the prayer goes like this. If you're, if your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're willing to take a step of faith today, pray this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? That's your prayer. Would you pray that with me today? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Lord, are there parts of my life that I need to lay at your feet? I think for some of us, it's, it's a business. You're working yourself to death. Trying to to multiply what you know is not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough accounts. There's not enough clients. There's not enough networking. And God is saying, what, what about me? Is this business yours or can I use it to bring myself glory through this? There's a powerful scripture in the Psalms that says God gives wealth and adds no sorrow to it. Can you trust God with what you have? Or are we living in a place where we, we're so afraid of not having enough that God can't use us to do the miraculous? I want to encourage you today. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I believe that in this moment of surrender, if you've, if you've prayed that prayer, if you've taken that step of faith to ask the Holy Spirit what he's showing to you, there are some things that are gonna begin to pop into your mind that God's saying, can I have that? 
Can we, can we talk about this for just a moment? I just, I sense from the Holy Spirit right now that the Lord is speaking about your children. Can I, can I have that? You're at the end of, of your wits. You're at the end of, of your hopes and what you want and what you try to manipulate and control and, and to push and to pull. And God's saying, can, can you trust me with your children? Or can you only trust me with your eternity? Can you trust me with your salvation, but you, you won't trust me with your children? I think the Lord wants to remind you that he had the same conversation with your parents. I had to trust him with you. I want to encourage you to lay your children, your business, your future, your hurts, your imperfections at the feet of Jesus and allow him to do his best work. Allow him to break it and multiply it and use it for his glory. It's a beautiful thing. It's where God does his best work. I want to pray for you today. Perhaps you're watching online and if this message has hit home with you, click the share button and then let me pray for you right where you are. What I like to do when someone's praying for me is if I find myself hearing from the Holy Spirit and I want to receive something, I just, I'll just open my hands and I just place them on my knees. I want to invite you to do the same. It's just a, a sign of surrender, almost as if someone was handing you something. Would you open your hands and just maybe set them on your knees? And let me pray for you. Father, for every single person within the sound of my voice, I pray that you would take them to a new place of dependence upon you so that you can show them what multiplication really looks like. Show them the beautiful parts of walking on water, stepping out on faith, being multiplied and becoming more than we ever could imagine or, or hope or dream to be because we're submitted to you. Father, I pray for everyone that's listening and watching today. I pray that you would bless them. Bless them. Multiply your blessings upon every single need that they may have. For those that are calling out for children, those that are coming here desperate for a breakthrough, maybe those that are having health issues or those that are dealing with hurts in their relationships, Lord, I pray that today would be a day of breakthrough where we recognize that me plus this situation, that math doesn't work. But this situation plus you that's Jesus math. It's supernatural. And that's where you do fantastic things for your children. Let me remind you, God doesn't have grandchildren. He has sons and daughters. And that's who you are. And God wants to take care of his sons and daughters. He's a good father. Trust him today. Let him help you. Lord, bless my friends. In Jesus' name. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if you're here today or perhaps watching and you would say, Pastor, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't have this whole God thing worked out. I'm not sure if I've ever just asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm not sure what happens at the end of my existence if I'm going to heaven or not. I'd like to think so, but I don't know for sure. I wanna help you. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, I, I was raised in church, but I've gotten away. I've gotten away from God. I need to come home. My friend, today is your day and this is your moment. And I wanna give you the same opportunity that same, someone gave me one time and it changed my life. So if that's you and you wanna take that next step with the Lord, I wanna lead you in a prayer. I wanna invite you to pray it with me. Right where you are, pray this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came, you died, but you rose from the grave. 
so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Take over. Now, my friend, pray this. Say, Lord, I don't want to live my life my way anymore. I give it to you. Use me. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you actually prayed that prayer, if you're not ashamed to admit it, would you just do me a favor? Look up at me all across this place. Lift up your hands. Say, that was me. Pastor, that was me. Good. I see you. Good. 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 I see you, young man. Good. If you're watching online and that was you as well, I want to invite you to take the next step. We're going to put a number up on the screen. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. If you'll text the words, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT, we've got um, some things that we want to send you that will help you understand what happened in your heart just now and what to do next. It would be our greatest pleasure to encourage you and to help you on your journey to understanding the Lord and what he's called you to do. I'm proud of you. If you're sitting in the service today and that was you, uh, that number is appearing on the screen. It's also a QR code. You can just scan it on your phone and we'll take care of everything else. This would be our, our greatest joy to help you in your journey with Jesus. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me and stand to your feet if you would. We have nine people responding to that today. That's a pretty big deal. Come on. We have some more that I'm sure are watching online that may have taken their first step with Jesus. We are incredibly proud of, proud of you and the steps that you've made. Once again, I want to remind you, if you like what you see, if you enjoy this, or if you think that people might need this message, do us a favor and click the share button. It means a lot to us when you're able to do that. For us here today, we're going to invite our elders and their wives to the very front. These guys are gonna remain here after this service is over to be available to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer for. We would love to pray for you. For everyone else, let me bless you and send you out. Father, I pray that my friends have an incredible week following after you, being led by your spirit, becoming who you call them to be. Lead them, Lord, all week long in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.